this is Brian Mayer, host of Hot Sauce Weekly. And you are listening to BCRN, all barbecue and grilling all the time. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate two feet for wiener. Listen, Laverne, I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Hey, just like that, we are into the second hour. It's the Barbecue Central Show. You have found it if you missed the first hour. Don't worry about it. We're recording. You'll see it tomorrow in podcast fashion. Second hour will be up on Thursday. We'll talk about Friday here in just one second. We talk about live fire barbecue and grilling things here on the show, and it happens from Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast and Bomb City, USA. Still to come on the show this evening, Jess Pryles in about 13 minutes from now. Cal Phelps to close the show. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook and Twitch for live video feeds. Also, slash RD Rempe on YouTube for a live video feed where there's a raucous chat going on. So if you want to chat with a bunch of other Central Lights, hop on over and check it out on the YouTubes. We're live audibly on Clubhouse as well. That's how Jess Pryles will be joining us in just a few moments. I have to make a correction here. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. On the way out of the first hour, I said Wally told me I should be smoking weed. That was not... We'll do it live. Uh, not... Andrew, you are not... That was not Wally. That was Guy the Cooking Sam telling me to smoke weed. So Wally Humble, apologies. That was not you. That was Guy. Guy, I will tell you the same thing I told Wally. Eh, not my cup of tea. You could also, if you want, and you're a podcaster, get a podcast ad-free experience through two different ways. Uh, Patreon.com slash BBQ Central Show. Or if you listen to the show through Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe to a ad-free experience right in the show itself. Click on that banner and away you go. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less this Friday, episode 225, April 24th, 2012. Who's featured this week? Well, of course, it's fourth Tuesday of the month in the 935 segment. Derek Riches. This is a unique best of. It's almost a prophetic one because in this episode, we talked about specifically the new, at this time, the new broil master that was coming out back in 2012. A lot of you probably have no idea what Broilmaster is. Maybe you're not familiar with the brand. Cast aluminum heads. I'm not talking about PK. There was another 
OEM out there that was making cast aluminum cookers, and that was Broilmaster. There's a really good chance that if you live in an older neighborhood, there might be a gas grill that's on a post that was shoved into the ground that was piped into the gas. That's probably a Broilmaster cooker. That thing is never going to rust out or fall apart. You might have to change the guts out every once in a while, but not the head. The thing is not going anywhere. That's why you probably still see it on a post in the ground somewhere. There was a guy that used to live across the street from me when I lived in Euclid who had one of the, like he was the original homeowner back in the 60s, uh, early 70s when he was originally buying the house and it had a Broilmaster gas grill in the backyard. I was like, you ever use that? And he never used it, but he said he could just turn the gas on and use it if he wanted to. He just had a bunch of other Weber cookers that he was more fond of. Anyway, long way to go. In this episode, Broilmaster had come out with a new grill. And it was all about ripping off the then-popular Holland Grill. For whatever reason, Broilmaster decided to make a rip-off version of Holland. Broilmaster, however, did a very nice rip-off. Typically, you would find a rip-off being cheap, not really working that well, inexpensive knockoff, but not Broilmaster. They brought the right tools to the game, if you will. And Holland's, uh, Holland Grill's patent had run out, and now Broilmaster decided that they were going to go out and take the Holland Grill concept but make it better. The thing that was unique and bad about the Holland Grill was that you turned it on, and there was only one setting. It had this really big heat deflector shield that sat over the heat, and there was no heat adjustment. It was on, there was on and off, and you learned how to cook it. So you either love that about the Holland Grill or you hated that about the Holland Grill. By the way, Holland Grill out of business a few years ago. Now, at the end of this segment on Friday, you hear Derek and I talking about pellet cookers taking over the market in 2012 and what the outlook for that niche was going to look like down the road. Derek called for a pellet war, and he was right. Derek said pellet cookers taking over the backyard is a bit naive. And at that point, I think he's more wrong than right. But it's always fun to hear what the environment was like 10 years ago, hear us talking about where it might go in the future. And guess what? The future is now. There's a lot of pellet cooker companies out there. There's a lot of pellet cooker options out there. There are a lot of pellet cooker price points out there right now, and it doesn't look to be slowing down at any point soon in the pellet cooker market. By the way, as I had mentioned, Holland Grill at the beginning of this promo, uh, again, out of business. Sorry. If you're looking for a Holland Grill, you'll have to Google it and see what it's all about because you can't go buy one anymore. But I knew a guy down the street from me in Wycliffe that had one. I had cooked on one a number of times at his house when I was hanging out at his house. And it was a fairly enjoyable cooker. Pretty simple. Turn it on, it's on. Turn it off, it's off. All indirect. That was it. You could buy a a uh, infrared sear burner attachment for it. But the main cooking chamber itself was either on or off, and that's it. Don't forget... If you want to hear a guest or segment again on the show that might be lost in the archives, email john, J-O-N, 
at thebbqcentralshow.com. Let him know you would like to hear, and he'll do his best to meet your expectation for a future Best of Show. Upcoming shows for the Barbecue Central Show for the rest of this month include the start of Season 3 of American Idol Barbecue Central Show Edition next week. Who's ready for that? Who's ready for no less than four months of what I'm going to bill as pretty average to below average singing between me and Doug Shiding from Texas and John Solberg from Michigan and Rusty Monson from the great city of Utah, all vying for season three championship honors. John looking to repeat on the heels of his 2021 victory in season two. So we'll see how that unfolds. And we start next week with that. Don't forget the lead singer and co-founder of the band Three Years Hollow, one of my favorite rock bands. will also be singing in as an expert judge alongside the three daughters who have a razor's opinion on what's good or bad. And I, I got to tell you, I've seen the song titles that are coming up. I already have mine in the can ready and locked and loaded. Doug's is getting worked on by official sound guy of the show, Haniel Trisna. John's already locked and loaded. I've seen the song choices here, and we're either going to do really well right off the bat, or we are not. Andrew, you are not the fire. Or we are not going to do well. I can tell you that. Also upcoming shows, Derek Riches will join us next week, and CEO of Solo Brands, John Maris, all scheduled to join me the balance of this month, which is basically next week. John will actually be leading off the first interview segment in the first hour. So very excited to talk to John after having had to reschedule him because he didn't have the proper equipment. So he'll be ready to go. Now, I am here for you folks in full transparency. Sunday was Easter. I ordered a eight-pound prime-grade rib, prime rib roast from Kevin Green at the Butcher Shop, sponsor of the Best Moment Show. Gang, I blew it. I don't know what happened, except I can only draw back to this conclusion. I did not calibrate the thermometer before I used it. Typically, I will do that, I don't know, every handful of months. Because I'm not buying any low-end crap. My stuff is calibrated, good quality stuff, but I blew it. So what I thought was going to be medium rare plus cresting ever so slightly to medium on the outer sides. It was medium plus in the middle. Ruined. I threw it out. I couldn't feed that to my family. We had cheese sandwiches instead. So just know while everybody else in the whole world is telling you how great they are at this cooking. I screw it up every once in a while. Unfortunately, I'd rather screw up on something a little less expensive. But I did. 
and I'm here to bear my soul to you. So don't be ashamed. It happens. All right, uh, Jess Pryles loading into Clubhouse, and we'll get to her here in just one second. I'll talk to you quickly about Yoder Smokers, designing and building all their products right here in the States, and building pride through craftsmanship and world-class customer service. That's the backbone of how they've built the company. The approach translates into what can be a truly bespoke-style product that elevates gatherings with family and friends. Honored to have a trusted place in the backyards of America. From pellet grills to wood-fired offset and charcoal grills, consistent Blue Ribbon flavor has become synonymous with the Yoder Smoker's name. Make no mistake, Yoder Smoker's flavor-driven design is unique to each style of pit, and their team has developed their cookers to perform time and time again while outlasting the competition for generations to come. It's this generational thought that's rooted in their handmade products and defines the integrity of the core values. American-made quality and endless flavor, those are the benchmarks of Yoder Smoker's. Visit Yodersmokers.com to grab yours today. That's Yodersmokers.com, and we'll be back. And have a visit with Jess Pryles right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. Hey, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. Head on over to smithfield.com for recipes as well as tips and tricks from well-known live fire cooks like Darren Worth, Childs Cridland, and my next guest, Jess Pryles. With mouth-watering flavor, no artificial ingredients, Smithfield Fresh Pork is quite simply some of the finest pork money can buy. It's a trusted choice of top cooks for use at competitions and at home. Go to smithfield.com. And if you're a competitor, go to smokingwithsmithfield.com and report your first place finishes in the shoulder and ribs categories. My first guest in the second hour, the CEO of the Hardcore Carnivore brand of products, also a spokesperson for a number of high-profile brands, including Smithfield Fresh Pork, as I just mentioned, a book writer, social media and internet sensation, as well as a Barbecue Central Show guest Hall of Famer. We welcome back friend of the show, Jess Priles, joining me. Hey, Jess. Hey, Greg. What's up? Uh, hey, I am excited to have you on the show. Are you ready to talk some live fire tonight? I am so ready, you wouldn't even believe it. All right. So, first of all, happy belated birthday this past weekend. Oh, thank you. Yes. So thoughtful. You appear to be a huge fan of Mexico. You go there over the weekend. I see you're taking trips down there uh, uh, way more than I have. Uh, I've gone exactly zero times. So however many times you've been, you've been that many more times than I have. So uh, being a fan of Mexico, like, what do you like best about it? Uh, you know, there's, it's so culturally diverse across these different regions and more than anything, look, I think we're all here because we love to eat and enjoy food and I really go on food tours more than anything, but I get so inspired by the different cuisines and trying new flavors and new preparations and, um, 
And and in some ways, uh, we were in Puebla this past week, which is a very historical and colonial city. So it nearly has, in in some weird ways, a European feel um, because of colonialization and beautiful old architecture and you know churches built in the fifteen hundreds and and it's only a two hour flight. So yeah, have you ever been caught in a dangerous spot down there? No, it's like I mean it's it's the same as the states. It's so it's so large and diverse, and some cities are safer than others. Puebla is a very very safe city. Um, there are places that I wouldn't currently go, um, and there are others that are that are uh, you know quite safe relatively. So um, I've not I've not ever had any problems in my trips down there. What's the bucket list Mexican resort or uh, city to go to? Uh, I still want to get to Guadalajara and San Miguel de Allende, but so far Oaxaca has been my favorite. So these are less resorts and more like cultural towns. But I tell you, I eat I eat well along the way. And the really cool part, honestly, is that in these small towns, it's all live fire cooking because it's just much more convenient. So there are like these anafres and grills, all charcoal fired, set up in the middle of the streets. And most of the uh, grill mistresses are women. So here's a unique question for me um, to ask you. I had this guy who's actually on the west side here in Cleveland. He's got a pop-up slash uh, catering business, the Street Tacos. He spent a lot of time in San Diego covering news. He was a reporter, but also did a lot of food research going down to Tijuana, where I guess he had become a favorite uh, visitor of street taco stands, did a lot of digging on how to do it right. He said the key ingredient, and I don't know what your experience with Tijuana is or how varying the street tacos are from one side of Mexico to the next, but he said the key ingredient was mesquite charcoal, not like mesquite wood thrown in with charcoal, but evidently this is charcoal that is uh, coming from mesquite wood. Is that Mm -hmm. something you have experience with and or eaten before? I mean, we know, uh, are you talking about it as an ingredient or used to bake them? This is used to cook specifically. So used in the grills? Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we use that a lot in South Texas as well because it burns really, really hot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, all, it's also the only tree that grows in South Texas, so it's sort of out of necessity. And of course, South Texas is bordered with Mexico, so not surprised that it grows all along there too. Um, you know, they get a great heat out of it and it's, and it it gives a lot of heat and it burns really well. So I'm not surprised, but usually it's actually the fat content that makes the biggest difference between the tortillas and the, and if they're using like heirloom corn and stuff like that too. Cinco de Mayo is coming up in a few weeks. Are you a big fan slash celebrator of that day? If you're asking me if I like margaritas, Greg, the answer is (laughs) yes. All right. So what's the best margarita recipe? Uh, I have a, there's one on my website for a like charred burnt pineapple margarita Mm. that is pretty, pretty great. Is pineapple the best thing to come off a grill? It's the best fruit to come off a grill. Not the best thing ever though? No, because me. Of course. That's an inside question, but I'm not even going to get into it. (laughs) Are you familiar with, or have you ever used something called Preserved Lemons, which I just learned about yesterday watching a Stephen Reichland video. Yes, they're very common in Moroccan cuisine. Oh, okay. Well, that's uh, the second confirmation of that. How do you use them best? And, or do you use them like quite a bit? 
I don't use them a lot at all. They're really, really salty because they, they mm. cure them in salt basically and then they develop this weird mushy texture and they're very specific to that Moroccan tagine. So it's a very, very uh, unique flavour um, that doesn't lend itself. Most of my cooking is kind of more Mexican inspired, especially with the ingredients that we have access to in Texas. So it doesn't have a huge role there. Fresh lime juice will sort of take its place. Jess Pryles joining us here on the show for recipes, JessPryles.com or website. And if you want gear, hardcorecarnivore.com. So check those out here while we're talking. There appears to be a hill that you are going to die on, which is something related to <laughs> blood slash myoglobin slash hemoglobin. Do you have any guess as to what percentage of this population believes that the liquid that they're seeing in their meat bags or on top of their meat as they're cooking is actually blood? I'm going to say 75 to 80% of people would probably assume that the juice on the plate after you cook a steak is blood. Now, what is it? It's myoglobin. That's my hill. So obviously hemoglobin is in blood. Myoglobin is what gives meat its color. They're both globin proteins, but they do very different things. Um, and it's literally just a protein that has a, a, an iron heme attached to it. So if you think about iron when it rusts, right, it's kind of what meat's doing when it's changing color. As it oxidizes, it changes from the red cycling through to the brown. Um, and that's and that's why meat can still change color even after you know post mortem, um, but it, it's literally just liquid because meat is seventy percent water and that protein that's just color. Do you fear through your own firsthand experiences and interactions with people that you can provide them with the one hundred percent correct answer and information to confirm what you're saying? And if they just don't believe it, they will continue to be, they are right, and that's it. Perhaps worse than that, they will also continue to disseminate said misinformation. 100%. It's the old, you can lead a horse to water thing. So, like, I guess for your listeners who don't really know, you know, I've embarked on this big kind of meat myth-busting journey, especially now that I've been finishing off my um, meat science graduate course, and... Uh, I, I'm just coming up against, if you would have seen from today's video, all these people that you can present them with facts, you can present them with the science, and they're like, nope, I'm not going to listen to you. Well, obviously, you know, I'm not making the content for those people, and I don't care if I've changed their minds or not. What I care about are the people who go, huh, didn't know that, feel a lot better because I do know that now. Thank mm. you very much. I almost feel like we want to change the people's minds that feel like they can just blow off the right information uh, for the people that go hey i'm learning something and that's great uh, i do agree with you that's nice but i i feel like that it, it's it's not incumbent on us but we have to find a way to break down this communication barrier that seems to be getting thrown up at a much more prolific rate than it ever has on a number of different topics to say hey this is really what's going on and people should say oh okay uh, this is going to can you imagine if we lived in a world where instead of 75 or 80 percent of people thinking that's blood, it's five percent. Wouldn't that be a much better meat universe to be living in? It would. It's a meat alternate universe. And it sounds magical. I like I, <laughs> honestly, in all seriousness, I would love to get to a stage where expertise is kind of um, revered again, uh, which is kind of what I was talking about this morning that, you know, we're in this weird 
time period at the moment where um, everything is questioned and not in a healthy way. Um, we've, we've stopped sort of giving any reverence to actual experts and kind of leaned more towards blue check marks. Mm. And as someone who has a blue check mark, I can be skeptical of it. Um, but it would be really nice to get to a place where we, we do have respect for people who have dedicated years of their life um, to, to, <laughs> to science and facts. That would be nice. Yes, it would be absolutely fabulous. Now, mm. outside of that, you have been... I'm sorry, let me ask. When are you done with the class? Or when, when do you become a professor? I, it's not, I'm not, I won't be a professor. I'll be a meat <laughs> scientist at the end of it. So I actually have one more research project this semester, and we're doing, um, I'm working with Smithfield, actually. We are going to be running a formal, like, meat laboratory scientific paper um, uh, uh, experiment mm. on whether it is better to cook bacon with water in the pan or not. Mm like a definitive, uh, absolute um, study into it. So I'm going to be flying up to Iowa. We're going to be doing um, multiple um, sensory labs and group tastings and experiments and tests, and that will be my final paper. And that should be done in August. Is there a thought that water makes it better somehow? Doesn't uh, fat and water not mix anyway? Wouldn't there be a tremendous amount of popping and such shenanigans? So the theory is that it could work one of two ways, and this is what we want to figure out and improve, mm -hmm. is that one, that the water sort of provides a gentle heat whereby the bacon can cook a little more gently than with direct heat. So by the time that the water boils off and the bacon finishes crisping, um, it's actually crisp but more tender. Mm. But there's also a question of since there's water added to the bacon product is cooking water. Does it also make it more juicy because it allows water to remain in the bacon or can it actually take on additional water because of the um, phosphates and nitrates that mm. are in the bacon? So there's a lot of different variables that we're looking at as to why it works and not just if it works. Hmm. Very interesting. So we'll be tracking the progress of that whole project and see what ends up being proven. And hopefully yeah. you'll share that with us when that's all done. So looking forward I'd to that. To. So you've been in the middle of shooting a barbecue show called Barbequest. But as I was doing a little research, this is actually not a new show. Uh, there's maybe two seasons already behind it. Uh, you've been at least in one of the seasons that I was scrubbing through, uh, taking some lady around to some really cool places in Austin back in 2019 or whatever it was. So... Tell us a little about uh, a little bit about the show that you're doing now, and perhaps the the history of the show as you know it. Yeah, for sure. I'm so I'm actually in Houston right now because we're wrapping up the series. Um, this is season three, so Barber Quest. You can see it on Hulu right now, and I was in episode one with Kelsey, who was the host. And uh, up until now, it's worked by like Kelsey goes to a different city in Texas and joins a local to kind of see the different barbecue in the city. So I did Austin with her. Um, my friend Daniel Vaughn did Dallas with her, et cetera. This season, they decided to go what they're calling um, beyond the pit mm -hmm. and also visit um, ranches and feed yards and really connect more of the ag side back into things. And so they asked me to actually join her as a co-host um, to kind of speak more from, um, you know, the expert side of things. Kelsey does an amazing job. Like she's a native Texan, 
and she's curious about barbecue but has never sort of been as much of a meathead as most of your listeners. So she asks the questions for those who are sort of getting into it and I get to ask the questions for more meat nerds and kind of connect it so it's really Mm -hmm. all-encompassing. So we hit three barbecue joints in the past 24 hours and we're headed to a ranch tomorrow. What's the best barbecue you've had on Quest this current shoot? There's not a single, I can tell you, Panther City is always incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I had brisket today at Pinkerton's, which was oh. wildly good. Um, actually, amazing Brussels sprouts at Truth Barbecue yesterday. Uh, we were at Goldie's, which is the number one on the Texas monthly list. Like We've eaten a lot of good food. There hasn't been a bad meal. Is Goldie's worthy of the number one? And if so, what makes it number one in your opinion? I really enjoyed it, but if I'm being completely honest with you, I've had brisket that is as good as theirs. Mm. Um, And I think that there's a lot of people in Texas right now who are, you know, just nailing this incredible standard of brisket. And even outside of Texas, it pains me to say it, but it's true, (laughs) Um, that the standard universally has just elevated to this point where you really can have great barbecue in a lot of different places. Daniel had written an article, uh, perhaps it was a couple months ago, that said Texas brisket had plateaued. I think plateau maybe was the wrong word uh, that he used, um, but he was basically saying that every place, and well, by and large, every place in Texas is nailing a great brisket. So if you're going to a barbecue restaurant in hopes of being able to delineate which one is better over the brisket, it's, it's going to take more than that. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. So I would probably say, I would say peaked, but perhaps he used plateaus because peak maybe implies that it's on the decline and it's certainly not. It's mm-hmm. just that we've, we've hit the gold standard now. Um, really, the only variable is the human element. So, you know, a lot of the pitmasters who have their names on the door, they're not necessarily the ones who are in the pit room cooking every, every day. Right. And humans are fallible. Um, and meat is a natural product that is variable. So, you know, there are still great barbecue joints that can have okay days if the pitmaster is, you know, not having a great day himself or herself or something's off or they're not running even quality control because not every brisket cooks to perfection. Mm. Um, and if you're not there to to feel and touch and use that craft element, which is being hands-on on every piece of meat um, and not serve the stuff that isn't up to scratch, um, you know, you'll you'll have a not so great day too. The last question that I'm asking all of my guests here this evening before we play the game is: Are you a partaker slash fan slash enjoyer of premium cigars? No, at all. Nah, I like the smell of them. You don't like to smoke one? No. All right. Hey, Jess, you want to play a game? Love to. All right. You know what time it is. I do. It's time to play which song is the best, which means we take a group, usually a metal group or a rock group, and we take two of their great songs, and then you pick which one is the best song. Unfortunately, you have been unsuccessful in all of the attempts so far, but we look to change that this quarter. It's uncanny, isn't it? I know. So before we do that... Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Jess. Um, I have a company called Hardcore Carnivore, bit of a meat nerd, like meat myth busting, and uh, enjoy being on the Barbecue Barbecue Central show. All right. And she's a Hall of Famer. Already, I am quite nervous, as I know you are too. 
So, let's end this nonsense here right tonight. Between these two songs, which is the best Metallica song? Ride the Lightning or Master of Puppets? Master of Puppets all day long. All day long. All day long. Final answer? All day long. Final answer. Lock it in. Don't need to phone a friend. And I don't even care what you say at this point, but go ahead. (laughs) Is tonight the night that we get on the winning side of what song is the best? From Metallica's two options, is it Ride the Lightning or Master of Puppets? Jess Pryle says Master of Puppets. And... Wowee! Look at us! You are right! Unbelievable. I, I, I can't believe this. I, I just, I, I mean, I can't because it's a superior song, but yes. wow. Yeah. I mean, wow. I knew as long as we kept playing this once a quarter, at some point, you would have to guess the right song. And tonight's the night, right here, April 19th, oh. 2022, while it's snowing damn hard here in Cleveland, Just Trials is saying definitively, and I can confirm that Master of Puppets is much better than Ride the Lightning. Anyway, uh, in the meantime, go to JessPriles.com, and you can go to HardcoreCarnivore.com, and you can find Jess right here every quarter on this show. Jess, appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you again in three months. Thanks, Greg. Obey your master. All right. There she is, of course. (laughs) Jess Priles from Hardcore Carnivore. Obeying the master. She won. She did it. I'll send her a copy of her own book, and I will sign it, of course. That's what I do. I knew it. As long as we kept at it at some point. Now, some of the other ones, you know, up for debate. But there's no debate. And I love Ride the Lightning. Off the Ride the Lightning album, that's my favorite joint. But nothing beats Master. All right, Cal Phelps is in the green room. We'll get to him here in just one second. I'll talk to you quickly about Primo Grills, because what do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they are fuel efficient. We love that you can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meats. And we love that they can get rip-roaring hot for high-temperature grilling of steaks and other thin cuts. But what's missing in the everyday ceramic lineup? The real ability to do true two-zone cooking. Two-zone cooking is very important to both professional and backyard cooks alike. It's the best way to manage a fire and cook with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire and a round ceramic cooker, not very realistic. Why? Because it's round. Enter Primo Grill and the game-changing oval design. The shape gives you the ability to execute a two-zone cookup that you a two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. When you break it down, there's more than 60 different ways to configure the Primo Cook. So you're only limited by your culinary imagination. The most anticipated accessories are out there right now. What are they? The Primo Grill Rotisserie, the Primo Grill Pizza Accessory. They have the Easy Lift Hinge now, the Top and Bottom Air Dampers. More to come. Go to PrimoGrill.com. Sold through dealers only. That's right. Only through dealers, just like Green Mountain Grill. So go to PrimoGrill.com. Find a Primo dealer near you. And then get educated. Find the one that's right for you. Find all the different sizes. And then get the one that is best for your particular environment. Primogrill.com. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And we'll be back 
with Cal Phelps from the Barbecue News and the NBBQA. Stick around. We'll be right back. Celebrating over 10 years of prolific and unparalleled live fire barbecue and grilling talk. And yes, it's still being done from Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, currently available in three sizes with a host of accessories. Whether you are a beginner or professional, definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. The continued business that is being done in the barbecue world does not seem to be cooling off as we plunge headlong into quarter two here in 2022, a few weeks ago. This man, along with his company, did a bit of business himself as the Barbecue News acquired the NBBQA, the well-known Live Fire Trade Association, here to talk about the deal and what it means for the future of NBBQA is none other than Cal Phelps. Hey, Cal. Hey, Greg, man. Appreciate you having us. I am absolutely excited to have you on here this evening, Cal, and appreciate the conversation that we're about to have. So let's start off right now by covering the latest news that I had mentioned in the open the Barbecue News acquiring the National Barbecue and Grilling Association, or NBBQA. What's the win for you? Man, I'm just going to be honest. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> be a whole lot of work. Cal, can I stop you here in just one second? Yeah. Can you hit the Can you hit the top of your microphone real quick? Hmm. That's not on. Yeah. It's not on. No. Are you able to uh, yeah. jump into your settings uh, real quick and make sure that the yeah. sound input is set to that microphone? So I hear myself pretty. Yeah, the output's probably right, but the input probably is not set there for whatever reason. You are the man. Yes. Right now, you're <laughs> gonna have that? to uh, you're gonna have to close out of the browser and then come back in, and then we'll be ready to rock and roll when you jump back right in. Back. All right, no problem. So, we will wait for Cal Phelps to join us once again. In the meantime, we are very excited to have learned last segment that Jess Pryles has gotten off the schneid and won What Song is Best. She has picked Master of Puppets being better than Ride the Lightning, which is a, master, uh, which is a Metallica song, of course. And uh, Cal Phelps rejoins us here on the show. Hey, Cal. Is that better, man? 100% better, and we appreciate you taking the time to do that. So uh, let me re-ask <laughs> the question. Dude, what's bad. the win of MBBQA becoming uh, part of Barbecue News? Man, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. Uh, it'll be a whole lot of work to make it a win. Uh, but the biggest thing is, is that opportunity is there for us um with the chin the train the transition is uh is 
not going to be real easy. It hadn't been easy to this part, this point so far, but the support is behind us and that's what matters. You know, going before with MEBQA has all been about uh, folks and their network, growing their network, people who's been there, done that, sharing information so that as they go through their growth pattern, whatever it is, no matter what sector of barbecue they're in, they've got somebody to lean on to grow their network so that they hopefully won't make the same mistakes uh, that have been made previously. Um, but the win-win will be for the future of barbecue. I mean, the honest thing is if we can keep it going, keep it growing, um, some of those who are coming up who want to get into the barbecue world business-wise, restaurant-wise, catering-wise, competition-wise, can learn from those mentors who are members now. That'll be the, those will be the ones who will be the winners, much like we were winners when we were first getting started and uh, tapped into those guys who had been there and done that before us. I can't imagine, Cal, that MBBQA was any type of revenue generator, maybe the opposite, in fact. Did Barbecue News pay money to acquire if not, what were the deal terms and was there any negotiating involved? Uh, there's a whole lot of praying. I don't know about negotiating, but... Does praying work? <laughs> if praying works. Absolutely, it does, man. I, I'll be honest with you. There were, To make it legal, basically what we've done is we've took a nonprofit and then we've took it and changed it to a for-profit business. The difference in doing that the nonprofit organization is run by a volunteer board that is elected. Um, of course, a for-profit company is run by um, owners, whoever owns that business. Um, when we, you know, when you look at the structure of how they're set up, you know, MBQA for years was on a roller coaster ride. It seemed like we would be up, and seemed like we would be down. Um, and that, you know, that's just, I'm, I hate to say this, but it's a nature of a lot of nonprofits. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you see different boards come in, you see um, members, uh, leadership change, and with that comes new ideas and stuff, you know. And looking back, and I, we talked a little bit yesterday, we hit on this and we were testing all this stuff out that I totally screwed up. But, um, <laughs> the notebook is thick of a lot of ideas that have come previously. I mean, it is really thick, but they never got come to fruition because before those ideas really got going, um, they changed. The members would change, leadership would change, and they never really got off the ground um, because of that deal. So moving forward, we got a whole stack of stuff that we thought were pretty cool ideas, mm -hmm. great ideas um, that never really got kicked off and got started. So, Cal Phelps joining me here on the show from the Barbecue News and the managing partner now the NBBQA. Was it for sale, Cal? Were you approached or did you make some kind of an offer? I mean, I know you were a little bit more in the uh, underpinnings of the operation itself, but did you see it struggling and say, hey, we want to 
figure out a way to salvage it and this is the best way we see how to do that or do they come to you and say hey you want to you buy this dog for a dollar or what yeah so basically uh treasurer and president uh ken and barbara barbara latimer um come to us and you know for the last couple of years as board members they had took over the day-to-day operations of mbbqa so there was no employee no management group running it um which most of the time those guys are the ones that handle the day-to-day operations you know you usually have some kind of group or some kind of manager who takes the phone calls pays the bills um gets all the board meetings together uh organizes meetings organizes conferences um but you know mbqa is set up as a one-year deal conference and that raises enough money to pay the bills for the next year Mm. uh, to keep it afloat so that was how it was set up but when the covid thing come um you know for the last three years there's been no meeting since 2019 until just a few weeks ago um so to say it was struggling um is an understatement and with those guys having huge full-time jobs already taking and trying to run a uh, an association they went way beyond the call of duty to keep it afloat uh the last couple of years no doubt cutting expenses um every i mean every dime they could stick back and save they would so and that's what kept it afloat made it uh get to the point where it is now and they said hey look we're we're just we're we're tired we're done and um we got to figure out some kind of way so here's what we want we would like for you and janet to take this thing run with it and um we think you are the ones you guys are the ones capable so we come home talked about it for i don't know a month or so three weeks hard prayed a bunch and uh, we wound up taking it over so the legal stance of all that um when you take if you if we set up as another nonprofit, um we would be in the same situation that the current board is in now um so we decided to our, for our sake it would be better to turn it to a for-profit and to do that legally there has to be some uh change of money in that involved so basically we bought the national barbecue and grilling association for one dollar uh that was the monetary change that made it legal Mm -hmm. and in doing so we just wrote a guarantee that any mebqa member uh we would service those memberships until they um expired so the basic member who had just joined would not have to come and rejoin the new group that we would just take them in and uh, everything would just transition hopefully seamlessly so we don't need to spend a lot of time looking back i mean there's certainly a story history of mbbqa and as you said there's been a lot of ups there's been a lot of downs and we can leave it at that how's it going to operate going forward 
what are your biggest opportunities for improvement and things that you'll tackle first? Man, the very first thing um, actually happened a few weeks ago in Fort Worth. We actually videotaped every um, session at the conference. Uh, we talked about this 10 years ago, and um, we never we never come to fruition. But now we'll actually be able to offer. So if you're an MBBQA member, you weren't able to go to conference, you'll be able to uh, jump in and attend that conference to some degree by watching those sessions. Um, if you're uh, – next thing we're going to be doing is satellite events. Uh, we've got one of those uh, already settled, uh, set up in eight in August, um, and I don't have that information in front of me, or I'd share it with you right now. But um, be at Big Dan's place up in Pennsylvania, Big Dan's Barbecue. He's a MBBQA member, and we plan to do that maybe three, maybe four times a year. Just have uh, small preview type uh, conferences, I guess you could have, or whatever, like. Uh, previews um, where we can go around the uh, country and introduce what MBBQA is all about. Um, that's one of the things that will change. Um, but the conference will still be a yearly deal. Um, we've got site visits signed up now um, to go and see where the 2023 conference is going to be. Um, but we hope our, our deal is going to be, uh, you know, not changing our mission of bringing in those guys who want to help and mentor the next mentor, the next generation of barbecue to come. What's the biggest misconception that the MBBQA has to overcome and that you hope to overcome under your leadership? <laughs> the good old boys club, man. I've heard that for years and years that we're just a bunch of good old boys and we just get together to sit around the bar and drink and tell stories. Um, man, I've seen too many lives change from information that's shared. And a lot of it come from around the bar. There's no doubt. Um, and some of those classes are, pretty informative as well a lot of information shared there but that one-on-one -on -one networking and those uh li long uh lifelong friendships that are made uh at the bars afterwards supperwards suppers that are uh attended afterwards those are the those are the information sessions when lives are changed and people um interact with one another they go to work make partnerships um those are the things that is a huge misconception that is uh if you talk to somebody who's been around the organization and seen it for a while they'll tell you straight up um the good old boys club may, may be but it's a total different uh than just a normal good old boys club for sure so you had mentioned that the annual conference was really the thing that paid all the bills and the people that were helping. It was the big revenue generator of the year. Uh, when I was there in 2018 doing live shows, uh, the last time I was in Fort Worth before a couple of weeks ago, I had heard there was talk before the show that Amazing Ribs was looking to partner in some way in order to uh, make it be a trade event for folks working in the industry, but also reserving a couple days at the end for the average 
person or fan of barbecue and grilling to come in, meet some of their favorite folks, learn some things as well, uh, maybe even have some vendor exhibits. Is that something going forward that you would entertain or are there other outside of the box partnerships or exhibitions that you would look to do to help uh, a generate and make money for the organization, but be able to expand it for not just industry folks, but for, you know, everyday ham and eggers like me that just might be a fan of the cooking. Absolutely, man. We have, uh, (laughs) I learned a long time ago when you start putting up stop signs, um, you will, uh, you'll wind up getting traffic tickets before it's over with and you'll wind up in jail or out of business or whatever. So no, we never close the door. We never want to close the door to anybody, especially our members. Um, and yeah, absolutely amazing ribs. Those guys do a tremendous job, um, in that backyard realm. And, uh, if we can, uh, partner with those guys, MBBQA has already done that to a certain extent. If you've ever, well, you were there 2018, so you saw the deal at Billy Bob's, mm-hmm. um, and so a huge deal. I think we had 30, some 30,000 30, people come through that afternoon, and uh, we had all those guys doing a sampling event or whatever. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's exactly what we, uh, we'd we love to do, and we're not going to put a stop sign or uh, turn a shoulder, cold shoulder or whatever toward anybody. Uh, Cal Phelps joining me here on the show, the editor of the Barbecue News and now the managing partner of MBBQA. Uh, let's change gears here for a second. Cal, what's happening over at the Barbecue News? Man, Barbecue News is smoking, buddy. <laughs> we uh just getting the truck loaded up. Uh, got some Oklahoma Joe smokers and um, B&B charcoal. Uh, we're doing a 10 event deal with those guys coming up the next few weeks where we're going to go out to ace hardware and hold some uh cooking classes and i'm um, excited about that and that'll all start thursday um, we'll do thursday friday and saturday here in southeast georgia at the ace uh harris ace locations and then we'll continue up toward the atlanta area for a few weeks but um man brand new issue uh, we just we stopped for a few minutes we we're making corrections the may issue is uh getting ready to uh drop to the printer here in a few hours um so we're burning the midnight oil tonight but uh hey man i had to stop and talk to our man greg for sure so well, i certainly appreciate the time tonight cal i know you're busy uh, getting a bunch of stuff done and trying to get everything transitioned over there for mbbqa Sounds like things are headed in the right direction. Love to keep tabs on you, see how things are going, and really appreciate the insight tonight. Thanks so much for doing it. Hey, man, appreciate you. And uh, like always, man, if we can help you guys in any way, don't hesitate. And uh, that's for all those millions of folks listening in too, man. If we can help them, uh, phone numbers 800-385-0002, man. Give us a call. We'll go to work for you. There he is, Cal Phelps right there. Thanks, Cal. The uh, editor over at Barbecue News and managing partner now at NBBQA. So definitely a interesting story to hear how that all comes around and now what will be happening as things progress. So appreciate the insight and the candor there, as we always do from our guests. 
Before we wrap it up here tonight, let me talk to you quickly about Vortic watches. Back in the day, watches were made to be worn in the pocket after World War II. Wrist watches became the thing to wear. Pocket watches quickly became an afterthought, finding their ways into sock drawers and scrap heaps. Quite simply, a tragedy. Enter Vortic Watch Company, helping bridge the gap between America's storied watch manufacturing past and bridging it to the present day where wrist watches are finding incredible popularity once again. Here's the coolest part. Each watch that Vortic makes is unique and one of a kind. Vortic founded on the motto that America wasn't assembled, it was built. Check out VorticWatches.com today, and we're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back, and we thank Cal Phelps for joining us from the Barbecue News and now new managing partner of the National Barbecue Association, telling us all about how it had existed and what his plans, at least in the immediate future, are going to be to get that bad boy rectified and heading in the right direction, and we appreciate him spending time with us doing that. Let's go ahead and get on out all the way back in the first hour. Stephen Reichlin, BarbecueBible.com. Then we talked with Mike Lang, another pintplease.com, and maintenance on those different types of grills and cookers that you have getting ready for grilling season. If you are somebody that partakes in a grilling season. Second hour, Jess Priles. We talked about the new uh, streaming show that she's doing, Bar- Quest. We also talked about myoglobin, hemoglobin, and how perhaps 75% or more of the humans in this country believe that it's blood on meat and not blood, no matter what you tell them, and provide facts. And we close it out with Cal Phelps from Barbecue News and NBBQA. Big show planned for you next week. John Maris, CEO of the publicly traded Solo Brands and Solo Stoves, will be joining us. Also, Derek Riches. And also the beginning of Season 3, Barbecue Central Show, American Idol Edition, with special professional guest host, lead singer and co-founder of Three Years Hollow, Jose Urquiza, joining us. So a huge show planned for you, of course. So how do I always leave you? September 11, 2001. I will never forget until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. Yo, pot! This is Meat Mitch, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Bomb.